Chapter 24 of Thomas Wingfold, Curate, by George MacDonald. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 24, Helen with a Secret. When Helen came out into the corridor, she saw that the day was breaking. A dim, dreary light filled the dismal house, but the candle had prevented her from perceiving the little of it that could enter the room withdrawn. A pang of fear shot to her soul, and, like a belated spectre or a roused somnambulist, she fled across the park. It was all so like a horrible dream, from which she must wake in bed, yet she knew there was no such hope for her. Her darling lay in that frightful house, and if anyone should see her it might be death to him. But yet it was very early, and two hours would pass before any of the workmen would be on their way to the new house. Yet like a murderer shaken out of the earth by the light, she fled. When she was safe in her own room, ere she could get into bed, she once more turned deadly sick, and next knew by the agonies of coming to herself that she had fainted. A troubled, weary, excited sleep followed. She woke with many a start as if she had sinned in sleeping, and instantly for very weariness dozed off again. How kind is weariness sometimes! It's like the father's hand laid a little heavy on the heart to make it still. But her dreams were full of torture, and even when she had no definite dream she was haunted by the vague presence of blood. It was considerably past her usual time for rising when at length she heard her maid in the room. She got up wearily, but beyond the heaviest of hearts and a general sense of misery, nothing ailed her, nor even did her head ache. But she had lived an age since she woke last, and the wonder was not that she felt so different, but that she should be aware of being the same person as before, notwithstanding all that had passed. Her business now was to keep herself from thinking until breakfast should be over. She must hold the ebony box of last night close, shut, even from her own eyes, lest the demons of which it was full should rush out and darken the world around her. She hurried to her bath for strength. The friendly water would rouse her to the present, make the past recede like a dream, and give her courage to face the future. Her very body seemed defiled by the knowledge that was within it. Alas, how must poor Leopold feel then? But she must not think. All the time she was dressing, her thoughts kept hovering around the awful thing like moths around a foul flame, from which she could not drive them away. Ever and again she said to herself that she must not, Yet ever and again she found herself peeping through the chinks of the thought-chamber at the terrible thing inside, the form of which she could not see, saw only the color, red, red mingled with ghastly whiteness. In all the world, her best-loved, her brother, the child of her grandfather, was the only one who knew how that thing came there. But while Helen's being was in such tumult that she could never more be the cool, indifferent, self-contented person she had hitherto been, her old habits and forms of existence were now of endless help to the retaining of her composure and the covering of her secret. 
A dim gleam of gladness woke in her at the sight of the unfinished cap. Then she could not have a better excuse for her lateness. And when she showed it to her aunt, with the wish of many happy returns of the day, no second glance from Mrs. Ramshorn added to her uneasiness. But, oh, how terribly the time crept in its going! For she dared not approach the deserted house while the daylight kept watching it like a dog. And what if Leopold should have destroyed himself in the madness of his despair before she could go to him? She had not a friend to help her. George Bascombe? She shuddered at the thought of him. With his grand ideas of duty, he would be forgiving Leopold up that very moment. Naturally, the clergyman was the one to go to, and Mr. Wingfold had himself done wrong, but he had confessed it. No, he was a poor creature and would not hold his tongue. She shook at every knock at the door, every ring of the bell, lest it should be the police. To be sure, he had been comparatively little there, and naturally they would seek him first at Goldswire. But where next? At Glaston, of course. Every time a servant entered the room, she turned away, lest her ears should make her countenance a traitor. The police might be watching the house, and might follow her when she went to him. With her opera-glass she examined the meadow, then ran to the bottom of the garden, and lying down, peered over the sunk fence. But not a human being was in sight. Next she put on her bonnet with the pretense of shopping to see if there were any suspicious-looking persons in the street. But she did not meet a single person unknown to her between her aunt's door and Mr. Drew, the linen-drapers. There she bought a pair of gloves and walked quietly back, passing the house, and going on to the abbey without meeting one person at whom she had to look twice. All the time her consciousness was like a single, intense point of light in the middle of a darkness it could do nothing to illuminate. She knew nothing but that her brother lay in that horrible empty house, and that if his words were not the ravings of a maniac, the law, whether it suspected him or not, was certainly after him, and if it had not yet struck upon his trail, was every moment on the point of finding it, and must sooner or later come up with him. She must save him, all that was left of him to save. But poor Helen knew very little about saving. One thing more she became suddenly aware of as she re-entered the house, the possession of a power of dissimulation, of hiding herself, hitherto strange to her, for hitherto she had had nothing, hardly even a passing dislike to conceal. The consciousness brought only exaltation with it, for her nature was not yet delicate enough to feel the jar of the thought that neither words nor looks must any more be an index to what lay within her. End of chapter 24 Read by John Sherman, Winfield, Illinois